Hey everybody, this is Nathan, and I am coming to you with a special episode of The Birds and the Lees, if you're with us. Um, this might be the fastest turnaround we've ever done on an episode ever from the previous one, but I'm here tonight with my lovely wife, Kim. Kim, how are you doing? I'm great. And, uh, you know, we thought just tonight we would have a sit-down conversation about the last year. Now, we've already done a couple of episodes about COVID and where we were, but Mm -hmm. um, as we were kind of going through our heads of what our next episode should be, um, it is actually March 22nd? It's the 22nd, yeah. March 22nd of 2021. We've actually been... Uh, dealing with COVID for over a year now. Uh, We celebrated the anniversary of everybody going into lockdown um, last year. And Mm -hmm. it seems like with the advent of the uh, vaccines and whatnot, we're we're coming to, there's light at the end of the tunnel, I guess is what we want to say. And so what we wanted to do is, especially here in Texas, you know, um, there's some debate and raging over the mass mandate being lifted and whatnot, but it seems to be that people are attempting to return to some level of normalcy, especially after receiving the vaccine. We're not here to talk about the right or wrong of vaccines or mass mandates. We're talking about tonight what we observed over the course of a year in COVID, in particular, uh, the focus on ministry and how our ministry leaders uh, dealt with COVID, um, what they experienced during COVID, and how that kind of shaped ministry for the future. So, uh, Kim, this was an idea you had. So maybe yeah. you can give us a little bit of the uh, the brainchild behind this. Uh, so today I was um, kind of reviewing in my head everything that has gone on in the last year. And by chance, a uh, quick podcast came up by Barna, which is a, a group that I follow. To, research group. Yeah. yeah, it's a research group. And uh, they were saying that I, I'm off the top of my head, the podcast said like 32 percent of all pastors that they uh, questioned had considered quitting. Not, really? Not just were unhappy, but in the last year, so 365-ish days. So 32% had considered resigning from the ministry. Yes. Okay. Yes. And I found that completely astonishing if you think about a third of your leadership was in was in such dire states. State or straits, yeah. State, straits, um, that they just wanted to step away and be done. Mm-hmm. Well, in um, which is interesting because there were so many stories of uh, individuals experiencing, ministry workers experiencing all sorts of great and awesome things that we saw. Yeah. Um, you know, I think we were we were blessed in, in many regards that uh, uh, our church did very well during COVID. Um, yes. We were actually one of the first churches to reopen. Yeah. And uh, in that time, uh, we found that uh, the people were generally pretty receptive. That's not to say that there weren't issues or there weren't concerns or there weren't things that we dealt with. But to get to a point where, um, you know, you want to step away from ministry, which happens all the time. There are circumstances that lead people to want to step away from ministry. That seems, mm-hmm. uh, you know, at this time, this would be the time you would want to draw together more. Yeah. Yeah. I So uh, right after I listened to the, the Barna podcast, my grandmother called and she happened to be talking about the same type of subject, but with people in general and how exhausted everyone is and change fatigue and all the things that yeah. go with that. Um, and I just encouraged her to consider writing a note to her pastor mm-hmm. <laughs> and that maybe there were some things that they as um, attenders of their church and not staff 
there are some things that staff goes through that a lot of common attenders just don't understand or can't see. Yeah. And, and, and you know, when you have a regular attender or member sitting in the seat, they don't often see what's going on behind the scenes. Right. Yeah. So let's dig down into some of that. So yeah. let's go back a year. Um, we go back a year and we have this thing, this this virus, COVID, mm-hmm. um, that's looming over our heads. And we know it's coming. Um, we know people have gotten sick from it. And uh, we know that there's a risk factor for, spe- very specifically, for certain demographics. Um, but nobody really knows kind of what this thing is. Um, we don't right. know. Uh, you know, there's almost like a point where we were semi-joking in church of, oh, yeah, you know, make sure you fist bump. Oh, fist bumps aren't good anymore, so let's do elbows because right. we don't want to pass this thing. Um, and then, you know, February rolls around after we start to see, okay, all these CDC guidelines. Wash your hands. Okay, now everybody do this. And then it was sanitized. And then it was don't everybody shake hands. Everybody buy toilet paper. Yeah, buy toilet paper. And then there was uh, social distance. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, all these things. And then suddenly what we find out is the spike in cases. And suddenly states and uh, federal government are mandating shutdowns. Yep. And so overnight, almost, it feels like we go from being uh, uh, churches that are meeting on a regular basis, ministry is happening uh, quite regularly, to suddenly we're having to come up with all brand new ways to to do this. Like now all of a sudden right. is this advent of online church, Zoom church, Zoom meetings. Well, and I think... Before that even happened, the first thing that happened above and beyond that is that church people mm-hmm. as a whole, and I'm not saying which side we're on, yeah, nothing yeah. like that. Church people as a whole were divided. You had people that are, well, this is a joke or it's, or the government's taking it too seriously, kind of, we're going to create that one camp. Yeah. And then the other camp is that everyone is going to die. Right. <laughs> well, yeah, and I think there were there was some middle ground, but you yeah. know, in a situation like that, which is interestingly compounded by an election year, uh, there's this tendency to fall into extremes, right? right. Uh, and and so in the middle of that are the decisions, the day to day practical decisions we're having to make. Mm-hmm. Of okay, well, we got to continue to have church. I remember like not like all of a sudden we shut everything down and it was like, well, what are we going to do? Well, we can put some videos online and put some services, but you know we're not going to church. It was almost like, yeah, it was almost like a uh, sabbatical to a degree, even though we right. were working, we were still working quite a bit. Yes. I mean, I, I hope you don't work that much during a sabbatical. Cause that was, <laughs> well, there was a lot, you know, you're, you're, but at the same time, you're trying to, um, you're trying to strategize, you're trying to do all these things. And, and for a lot of us, all of a sudden we're now having to learn, uh, we're having to learn how to track, uh, uh, analytics for videos Mm -hmm. that you know most of us didn't know and you work for an it company that you know you sell it to churches and you described this massive shift that you went from one job to another why don't you talk about that uh what do you mean well you were doing support for churches on site and then suddenly your role changes to training oh yeah so we um we sell technology to churches and we were doing a lot of work and training on site and immediately overnight we went from doing that to basically triaging people and teaching them to use tools that many of them had had for a long time but now needed to utilize every single day and so that um, went from you know full-time 
basically to working any moment of the day I could to en- to engage churches and make sure they had what they need. And mm-hmm. I mean, thankfully, I have a company that really went above and beyond for support for people like me. But um, yeah, there was a lot of hardship for pastors just trying to figure out. I mean, the first question is, if we move forward with being closed, what does that look like? Yeah, it well, and then there's there's things you have to take into consideration, and and of course most churches went into this. Okay, yeah. So you have how are we going to do service? How are we going to continue to reach our people? How are we going to stay connected to them for their needs? How are we going mm-hmm. to? And and for most of us, I believe we had never dealt with anything on this scale before. No and way. Yeah. It, yeah, there was just no way. So immediate, the immediate sense is okay. How do we keep church going? How do you mm-hmm. keep student ministry going? in the middle of a pandemic when kids can't get together and students are social beings, right? They want to be around. So of course then zoom comes to the top. You know what, what the most interesting thing is that every single church I had asked me about because, because churches were completely shut down. What was that? Was how do we handle payment processing? Yeah. Payment processing. And and I don't mean by like, okay, we have all these, we have all this incoming money. The bigger issue was that they had money they had to get out there, but now you've got the government, you know, rightfully so because we didn't know what was going on telling us you can't go into your buildings for security reasons. You need to stay out to keep the virus from spreading because we didn't know what that looked like. Then we've got, okay, but we, some of these checks we have to hand over, in person mm-hmm. and figure out a way but what if they have a disease on them that now i'm yeah well giving you, you know are else? you spreading covid by handing off a check yeah and and you know it was you know here in texas there were varying responses from churches some churches right uh took longer to close some of them stayed open some of mm-hmm. them are continuing to not have on site they are mm-hmm. there or they're just now getting to it so um, you know, but yeah, all of a sudden these practical discussions are being had that we never thought we would. Right. Um, okay. So how do we keep giving going? And, and the anticipation was that, you know, by the end, by the end of this year of COVID, if, if, if we go for a year, you know, churches, I didn't, not to get into the whole, okay, you got to pass the plate thing, but churches live, uh, they're, they're they're sustained. Their their operational stuff is sustained by right. finances, right? I mean, right. you have to have a bit. If you have a building, you have to keep it open. If you're keeping it open, but even if it's closed down, uh, you got to keep the you know the heat appropriate, the, right. the climate control, because you don't want anything breaking. Right. Um. You you know then there's the technological. Okay, so if we're going to do church online, we've mm-hmm. got to be able now to support it in a way that we've not done before. So there's there's financial uh, considerations there. Now, we experienced this unbelievable, I think it was probably the best giving we've had in a long time, in several years. very gracious. Yeah. There was just this gracious outpouring from our congregation. So that, for us, while it was a... It was always a, something we, we... Okay, we need to monitor that. It was never anything we were super afraid of mm-hmm. um, because we were seeing God continually take care of us through our people. And... Um, so, you know, that was something we could set aside and look at a more uh, practical, logistical ministry uh, uh, plan. And so that became, okay, so we have several people who are, uh, you know, live on their own. So, and they're over a certain age or they're in the at-risk uh, demographic. Right. And while we have, interestingly enough, we had uh, member care 
um, which hmm. is a team that, uh, you know, is that their whole thing was taking care of members who are in need. And that could be hospital visits or illness or whatnot. But our member care team were in the high yeah. risk demographic. So they couldn't <laughs> go visit with the people that needed to be visited. <laughs> yeah. So it was like, well, we're not going to do that because yeah. you guys are in the high risk. So yeah. um, there was a little bit of a scramble. There were some things that we jumped on. Now, it was interesting that uh, in the middle of all this, the city that our church sits in, the... Um, the uh, the city council got together and said, okay, so we need to know how you guys are doing, which I yeah. thoroughly appreciated. But yeah. at the same time, it was like, uh, how do we work together? And, you know, you've got mm-hmm. everybody from different do- denominations, even different belief systems, right. places of worship that are coming together, okay, and saying, we've got a community. What do we do with them? Um, how do we support them? And that was, that was neat. But, you know, part of what we were going back to what you told your grandmother, mm-hmm. you know, over the course of this couple things, you know, we learned really quickly. One was we weren't ready for the necessarily the extreme of no. this problem. <laughs> no. You know, we had systems in place, but it's, it's almost yeah. this, nobody ever thinks you're going to shut your church down for, you know, three to four months for us or two or three some, months. And some people potentially a year. Some people are potentially a year. Nobody thinks that. You don't have that plan necessarily in your back pocket. You have short term, like, you know, mm-hmm. if it snows, we can do church online. But to sustain that over a year, nobody really, I don't think, had that in place unless they were larger churches that were already involved in some kind of broadcasting or had that level of mm-hmm. level of, uh, of, of production. Um, but you start thinking about my, my dad as a pastor of a church that's like 40 people. Yeah, and here he is, and he's continuing to do so because they do have a lot of high risk uh, uh, attendees. He's doing it on his iPhone, right? Sticking an iPhone on his on the pulpit and walking around, and and while that works and it's a solution, y- you do feel like this is not the best I could be doing, or maybe it's a little frustrating that I'm not in my wheelhouse. And so right there, there's already this stress among staff and pastors of, you know, my role is to minister to people throughout the week, but also on Sunday where I get to see them. And now I don't even get to see them because they're in quarantine or they're in social distancing. We experienced that with our son's birthday, which was a huge outpouring from the church because people came to visit him. People that just heard there was this birthday and and we saw it and they drove by and they brought him uh, birthday cards and stuff. And that was cool. And I think that's a great example of church working. Mm Mm-hmm. But for the staff of just this unknown of like, okay, are we going to come back and how are we going to do this? Well, even for staffs, uh, church staffs as in general are very loving and kind places for the most part. We've seen unhealthy, but when you're healthy, you all care about each other and you want to physically see each other in the office. That's part of the culture. So it is hard to go from one-on-one, five days out of the week, four days out of the week, to we're going to do everything over Zoom. Oh, and by the way, all the internets, <laughs> plural, yeah. are not working very well because everyone's on the internet. Yeah, no no internet connections working. We're at a home yeah. where we're all trying to work and yeah. kids are trying to do school. Yeah. And we don't have the bandwidth to do that. And you're being thrown ideas. I mean, here's another issue that did come out. You're being thrown ideas from 50 different directions because mm-hmm. everyone wants to help and create ideas and be you know, part of the change. Unfortunately, sometimes it created chaos. Yeah, That was hard to filter out what we really needed to do versus what we should be doing mm-hmm. versus what 
was suggested but not realistic, right? Yeah. And and then on the scale that you've you know, there's all this decision making and there's all this mm-hmm. uh, exploring new opportunities and everybody seems to have, a, like you said, everybody has a different idea and right. we're looking at other things saying, how can we replicate what this church is doing or whatever? And you really come down to, okay, who are our people? Yeah. Right. And that's the best you can do. But there's the other side of that. And this is where uh, I know you witnessed and not, not as heavily on our end, but like a lot of the other churches you experienced that with. And there was, mm-hmm. there was some, but it's normal, is that in a situation like this that's so polarizing, you're never going to please everybody. Oh, and we no. say that yeah. all the time. You, you know, that's like, it's one of those things that we throw out and say, hey, you, know, you can't please everybody. But there's a reality that when you have something like this, where there are extreme viewpoints, no decision you make is not going to, is, is, is no decision you make is going to be free of, I don't want to say conflict, but free of critic or right. critique or criticism. Right. Um, because, you know, if you do one thing, some will view that like, like if you stay, if you say open and you decide you're going to open and, you know, not follow mandates or at least relax mandates or, um, you know, do it a certain way that you believe best addresses the way you're told to do it. Uh, there will be some who say you're putting people at risk. Mm-hmm. Um, if you institute those rules or mandates or processes like cleaning or mass, then you have another group that says, I'm not coming because right. you guys are falling to the, you know, you're, you're, you're sheep being led by the, you know, the big wigs up in Washington or whatever, however they're going to say it. Um, and you're not thinking for yourself. You're just giving into the fear. Well, no, there's a, there's a side of that that is we are prominent. We are a prominent fixture in the community. Mm-hmm. And at the time, I mean, you heard stories all the time. You know, we had people getting uh, arrested because they refused to wear, have masks in their yeah. in their companies or whatever. And it's not that we were picking one side or the other, but there was a reality is who wants their face plastered all over the news, <laughs> one side or the other, saying, well, this yeah. church over here. Not that we're afraid. Yeah. But our focus can't be worrying about whether, you know, having to navigate explaining ourselves. Um, we just have to say, yeah. this is the best thing for our people. Yeah, neither N- one of those choices really furthers the kingdom. So the point of doing that is not... Yeah, it's it's difficult to say, yeah. okay, we, we spend so much time looking at this, and we had a great team that, that went through all that stuff. You know, we didn't handle that on our own, which is awesome. <laughs> Thank goodness. Thank goodness. But, you know, with our mitigation protocols and things like that, we had this awesome team who jumped in there and came and developed this and and the staff were like okay we're on board we're going to hold to this and and there was this really collaborative effort that was good but in light of even you know despite that Mm -hmm. we saw a drop in attendance from a lot of different things we saw a drop from uh the perspective of uh concern that even though all these mitigation efforts were in place that uh you know there's an issue like we're not we're not comfortable there's the Mm -hmm. okay i'm not comfortable because you're making you're making us do something i don't agree with okay um you know there's just no win and and truthfully uh and i can say this that while we did have a few cases Mm -hmm. at the church none of those cases to my knowledge actually happened because somebody went to church Right. The mitigation yeah. protocols were done so well that while we did have some people who would test positive after mm-hmm. or show symptoms right. after, nobody, to my knowledge, spread spread it any, at church. Yeah. To that we can, yeah. and, and even those who were exposed to church did not get it. Right. Which and is I, what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. And I, the the rumor we're hearing, and I don't know where this came from. Somebody told me as of yet 
Texas has no cases that spread at a church. Really? Yeah. That's interesting. We I've got to figure out if that's true or not, but it does stand true to the churches that I've talked to that none of them have said we had a huge outbreak. Yeah, and and unfortunately what what gets the news are the churches that say, you know, they turn it into a position a political position. Mm-hmm. They turn it into, you know, God told us we need to defy yeah. you, you know, defy the the establishment because you can't stop the message, you know, you're not going to stop mm-hmm. us. Well, okay, one Nobody can stop God's message. Nobody can stop the gospel. Nobody can stop him working in people's lives, even if we follow these protocols. Right. Right. Um, And I think that was the thing is, is we didn't want to be, uh, you know, our, our, our job is to be a witness, is to be an example, is to be um, a light in the world. And that's not what we want to portray. We don't mm-hmm. want to prote- portray ourselves and be this uh, antagonistic, um, not to say that we want to be weak. We're not being weak. Um, we're finding the balance. What is the most reasonable mm-hmm. thing we can do to love people? And even then, you know, for the staff, that was wearing masks all the time. Right. There was no option. The right. most reasonable thing I can do to make this person comfortable so they will come is yeah. wear this mask, even though I may not agree with it, maybe even though I'm tired of it. Right. Uh, this is what I want to do. And so, you know, I, I got to be honest, you know, there was a point, um, you know, I think I did fairly well, you know, it was mm-hmm. probably about six months in when I finally went, I'm done with this. Yeah. This is, this is, I'm exhausted by this. Um, yeah. I and maybe the people did better than that. I don't know. Well, and yeah, so we're talking about the stress of the choices just with the pandemic. So fast forward four months and I, I'm going to tell the storyline and then end in December. So fast forward four months and we have a um, political, we'll call it unrest with black lives matters and everything that happens there. Social unrest, Social everything, unrest, everything yeah. going on, which has been going yeah. on for a couple of years. It just yeah. seemed that it was seemed exacerbated the feelings. Yeah. And then fast forward a few more months and you had an election that was highly um, divisive Maybe is that the best word? Political? Uh, divisive might. <laughs> divisive probably isn't strong enough. Okay. <laughs> um, and then, you know, you're hitting December. So you've almost been a year, more or less, in quarantine, if you want to call it that. You know, stay-at-home orders. You're, you've had a lot of political things go on, a lot of social things go on, a lot of emotional, I'm going to call it trauma, from the last year of just what in the world? And then the physical things going on that you're at home all the time. And here we are in December. Talk a little bit about your like zero to 10. How exhausted were you when all of that came to be? You know, I think part of it was this we made a pact a a year ago so we weren't going to watch the news anymore yeah and so i think that helped some you know we knew what was going on in the world but we weren't going to watch the news because it was just this 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 barrage of negativity and 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 pain and not that we're saying you shouldn't be aware of the things that are going on um i would say probably you know there was probably a point right before christmas where it was up to an eight of just exhaustion and there were several reasons why Mm -hmm. um but the primary one was just this can't you know you can't win um you know whether it's uh decisions about covid whether it's decisions to say look you know what uh we're gonna 
we are going to approach all the social unrest and political uh, divide and all that in a way that we believe is the best uh, best way for our church as mm-hmm. a ministry to do, which was uh, the pulpit was not the place to, and it didn't matter what the issue is. Right. It didn't matter. Uh, it, it, you know, if it was conservative or left or in the middle or whatever, if there's an issue, we don't address it from the pulpit. What we address is our discipleship. Right. Um, because we do believe that our discipleship uh, is what informs those things. Mm-hmm. It, it, it informs our uh, our our interaction with the world. It informs the way that we love others, that we uh, serve our neighbor. It's our discipleship uh, is where we're being transformed. And so that decision was made uh, not to address other than, you know, maybe COVID and that, okay, hey, we have these mitigation rules in place. Uh, we're going to do our very best not to land on one position or the other. Mm-hmm. Um, now, if you want to have, now here's the other thing is that's interpreted as we don't want to talk about it, but that's not true. Right. Um, we're more than happy to talk about those things. Um, but we don't think that the pulpit is the place one because it's not dialogue, right? It's not. It's, it's a not one-sided. dialogue. It's it's yeah. one person standing up there giving a position, but it isn't an interaction. It isn't a back and forth. It isn't a healthy healthy dialogue, right? Um, and and really, what you're doing is you're looking at one side and you're trying to sit there and balance between being this for this side and being that for this side instead of just saying, okay, hey, you know what? This is let's talk this through, mm-hmm. um, and also finding the right resources to be able to talk those through, you know. And, and, and obviously wanting to, to deal with uh, racial issues and social issues and political issues from a very biblical standpoint and not a biblical standpoint of somebody's interpretation of what they think Jesus would do if he was here today. Mm-hmm. But, okay, let's look at what Scripture says. Let's look at what the truth says. And I think that's where we land is there's there's both sides of this argument going, well, if Jesus was here today, he would do this. Well, no, mm-hmm. Jesus told you exactly who he is in right. his word. He right. laid it out. He said, this is what I ex- this is what I expect of you. This is this is uh, how you enter into everlasting life. This is what I'm calling to you after that, after you've received this free gift. Um, this is how I, I want you to experience that life in me. Um, and so instead of sitting there saying, well, I think Jesus would do this, whether he was this or that or what, you know, let's go to God's word and say, okay, that's what he says. Mm-hmm. So how does that truth, the truth in God's word, how does that direct shape my response to all of these things? Mm. Um, and sorry to go on a little bit of a rant, but I think that was part of that exhaustion because there was an expectation that if you responded this way, you were this side. If you responded this way, uh, you were this side. And and there was an expectation you would respond one Mm -hmm. or the other from either side. And if you didn't uh, respond their way, you were wrong. And if you didn't respond this way, then you were wrong to that side. Mm -hmm. And so there was this little bit of a ping pong back and forth where, you know, our first goal is to serve and minister and share the truth of the gospel and to grow believers so they can continue to go out and share that message. Yeah. Um, now, uh, right now, I can tell you, if there's somebody listening here that disagrees me with disagrees with me on that, hey, I understand, okay? Yeah. I'm totally cool with that. Uh, I may disagree with you. That doesn't mean that I think... Uh, I'm not going to put a label on you about that. I'm not going to make a, a, a snap judgment call about the kind of person you are just because you disagree with me on yeah. that. These are things we can have a conversation about um, and, and go to each other and say, hey, this is where I draw this from. This is where, uh, you know, God's word speaks to me in this and, and as I understand it. And maybe one of us or the other understand mm-hmm. misunderstands it, right? Maybe right. in that, that I mean, because here's the thing. 
the reality is whenever we approach God's word, we are opening ourselves up, hopefully, to God teaching us, not bringing our expectations, our presuppositions. We're not sitting there going, I need to find uh, truth in here that that inform that that supports the truth that I've already come up with. Mm-hmm. We're reading it to say, what is God telling me? And whether I like that or not, whether it's uncomfortable or not, I need to address that mm-hmm. and and why and find out why and and uh, and then if it is the truth, then I have to respond to that truth, mm-hmm. um, which I believe it is. And so we have to, and that's where you know Bible study comes in, and and you know the old mm-hmm. uh, observation, interpretation, application. You know, it's the it's the basics of it. I don't know if that's making any sense to you. Yeah, it's it's a little bit of a tangent, but I think it does point to. Um, a little bit of, you know, you're talking about how we have to look back biblically at what makes sense and how it aligns. I think that does also point to another circumstance on top of that we had, which was a lot, not just one person, a lot of people dealing with anxiety. Oh, yeah. So, um, you know, you have a lot of people who are stressed about the political environment, about the social environment, and all of a sudden in creeps people who have dealt with this before and and are very honest and open about it now are fearful to go to the grocery store and they're healthy they're at an age bracket that they shouldn't have any issues they there's nothing that the um that the numbers show us they're at a really really high risk right yeah yeah and they know logically they tell us yes i know i'm at a high risk but i'm terrified mm-hmm. that's that adds so much weight to what when a job that's already hard right past mm-hmm. being in a pastorship is very can be emotionally draining but when you're dealing with all these circumstances and then you find that your community that you work in the the people that you see every day the people that trust you enough to reach out mm-hmm. often are struggling with just getting out of bed yeah yeah and, and that's that's a really hard um that's a hard place to wake up every day as their pastor. Well, and I think there were some things we could have done better in that, you know, early on there was a mm-hmm. feeling of, man, we're just blowing this out of proportion. Um, but then it was like, well, you know what? You know, there are definitely risk factors mm-hmm. here. Yeah. Um, and we definitely have people who are truly, uh, this is weighing on them. And right. so, you know, right. I think there was a, there, and we heard many times like, hey, you know what? We would just appreciate you to acknowledge yeah. You know, acknowledge that this is difficult for us. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah, I can acknowledge that that's difficult. And I think we yeah. may have been able to do a little bit of better job. Me personally, I, let me I'm not going to mm-hmm. speak for everybody. For me personally, I could have done a better job of saying, "Look, yeah, I get it." Um, and I'm really concerned for your emotional state and your right. your spiritual state because I know that that can be heavily impacted by this. Um, but yeah, I mean there there's certain points where it is exhausting to us because you know, a lot of times pastors are really good at being there to listen for everybody else and then not actually finding anybody to do that for themselves. Oh, we've struggled with that since what, like month two in our marriage. It's hard to find yeah. help. You don't, you, you spend all your time listening to others, but you kind of just say, okay, I'll be fine. I'll be fine. I'll be fine. But you don't find those people who, uh, who support you in that way. And you need right. them. I mean, it's not something, right. you know, you're not in a vacuum. You're not just a, you know, lone island. You need those people. And, uh, you know, I think that maybe that was something not 100% missing, but it was mm-hmm. something I felt like at times I could have, I could have found those people. 
I think. I think mm. I could have looked harder for that instead yeah. of just trying to muscle through it. Um, yeah. You know, obviously that doesn't fully replace. Uh, y- you know, it, it's it's in addition to obviously your your relationship with Christ that you're spending that time in prayer and study. Mm-hmm. Um, that you know, ultimately we are leaning on Him, but He provides those people yeah. to kind of be His tool and His instrument to support one another, mm-hmm. and that's the, that's what being the church is supposed to be. Not only for ourselves, but you know, to reach out into our neighborhoods and with our community and say, "Hey, look." Even if you don't believe us, yeah. even if you don't believe the same way, even if you are not ready to even consider mm-hmm. uh, the truth of the gospel, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to listen to you. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I'm just going to, you, you know what, I'm here for you. I'm here to walk through that. At the same time, you open that door and right. that's a lot of people. Right. That's a lot of people that you're sitting yeah. there saying, I'm here for you. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and you may not have that for yourself, right? Right. Yeah. It's a um, it, this past year with everything that has gone on, to say I'm here for anybody that needs help, could be a completely overwhelming, exhausting experience. Um, I know we have had to at times uh, put up some boundaries that are very firm with we don't answer our phone after a certain time. Yeah. In fact, I started sleeping with my phone across the house at night. Um, So I wouldn't look at it. Part of our boundary was like you said, turning off the news. I think Mm -hmm. that was probably one of the best choices. We, we ironically did not make that choice due to COVID. No, we actually made it before (laughs) that. Actually we made it in light of seeing the election coming. Yeah. So that was, uh, that was made like December before COVID even got here. Yep. Yep. Um, and that was just God, I think totally blessed blessing us in that whole choice that was Mm -hmm. not we had no idea um we i i do think the positives that came out of this although we have struggled a bit to do it is is learning those boundaries right like like knowing we only have so much bandwidth and there's Mm -hmm. only so much we can do for everyone else yeah and sometimes other people have to step up and and take care of whatever issue it is. Yeah, and that was that was good because I saw that with our church is we had people who you know right in the at the beginning of this year we had the uh, we call it Snowvid twenty twenty one where we're in the middle of COVID but we all also have all the snow and power issues and stuff that happened in Texas and you know one of the things we set out to do and probably a little bit later than we possibly could have but we learned was that we started putting together these teams to address these needs. Um, and so it wasn't falling fully on the staff, which is what you want to do, right. but not, never had we done it on a scale like this. Mm-hmm. And so we were able to, uh, pick people, uh, mm-hmm. you know, we were able to find, uh, members, gifted members of the church say, look, okay, I need you to do this. And, and here's the great and beautiful thing is they run with it. Yeah. They um, love it. You know, during the snow Mageddon, um, we had men who were driving to another city, you know, driving an hour and a half, two hours away to get mm-hmm. firewood and yeah. bring it back and then, you know, giving it out in the parking lot of the church. Mm-hmm. I didn't know about it till after it happened because they just took the initiative to well, do that. And to be fair, we super secretly had electricity. Yeah, we, we don't talk about that. We were on a, uh, I think we're on a... Uh, a yeah. community services grid with like police and fire. So we never actually lost power or heat. Um, right. We kind of but we ge- did. No, we did share. We we, I mean, we had people over. We had we, people we housed that people stayed. And, yeah. 
So that I thought that was fair, but you can only take in so many. That's again yeah. one of those limits that you learn. You can only house so many people mm -hmm. before you're taxed. Well, yeah, and then, but at the same time, you know, we had an opportunity to. We had a you know, friend from the church on staff mm -hmm. who had a you know a really bad uh, pipe burst right. in her house, and right. you know the the young life group we're part of. They all jumped in the car, and and all I had to do was say, "Hey, we got a need," and they show up. You know, and yeah. it's overwhelming to the point where. You know, there's not enough for people to do, right? right? But they're there just to be there. And, uh, you know, that's where people are ready to do that. So in these mm -hmm. catastrophic kind of like large-scale difficulties, um, people want to – and so you have to be willing to go, okay, I, I need to think ahead, right? So like the right. next one, like I don't – hopefully there's never another COVID situation, even though everybody <laughs> says, oh, it'll be with us forever. Well, okay. But hopefully we've learned enough that if we ever had to do this again – uh, our infrastructure is in place as a church to be able to address those things without it falling on um, the pastoral staff or even, you know, just the staff in general. Um, but really what's coming out, I mean, if you've got 32% of pastors wanting to quit in the middle of something, mm -hmm. you have to ask yourself, what is the balance of just uh, the, the, the difficulty of the situation and how can we do better on our own Right. By our own systems to make sure that right. doesn't happen. Because um, I do think we were really caught off guard by this. Yeah. I think um, we've we're we've got some. There, there's some growth that has to come through this, right? For every group of pastors that are at a church or for any pastor that's alone, most certainly uh, finding your core group that. um I'm not saying they don't have to agree with everything you do, but at least that they encourage you. Uh, people who attend, people who maybe don't attend. Maybe you have a neighbor. I know in Pittsburgh, um, we had some neighbors that were just treasures to Yeah, they were incredibly awesome. Yeah, they were fantastic. And um, they, so even though they didn't even go to our church, they loved Jesus, but they went to another church and yeah. they absolutely 100% supported how we loved on people yeah. and how we um, were gone sometimes for events and would help watch the house or, you know, just find those people in mm -hmm. your world, whatever that means, that help you through those times and and I have always been a huge proponent of finding people, most certainly, that don't go to your church. Yeah, find people outside that circle. Yeah, because you can vent to them in ways you can't vent to someone in your church. And um, in the last year, we have certainly found it is imperative that you have someone to bounce those type of things off mm -hmm. of. Just to be able to just speak. Um, right. And it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily even have to be venting. It's just being able mm -hmm. to say, hey, you know what? I'm tired. And yeah. You know, it's all good. I mean, I don't think any of us made any missteps that we say, oh, I absolutely regret this, you right. know, but it's like, I could have done that better. But, you know, coming on the other side of it going, yeah, you know, there's a lot of growth and there's a lot of good and, and I'm definitely different, right? I've definitely mm -hmm. uh, a changed person because of this. I have new ideas and I have uh, new ways of doing things or things that I was pushed into a situation of doing. I'm like, okay, wow, that, that actually worked. That's a great idea. Um, but you, you need people to be able to say, Hey, I was just thinking about this or, you know, what uh, today kind of stinks and mm -hmm. uh, you know, at least just listen, you don't have to do anything else. I just love to talk and you, maybe you understand, or maybe just, just an empathetic ear of like, Hey, mm -hmm. yeah, I definitely, that, that was hard. 
Um, but what you don't want to be is where pastors are on the edge or ministry workers of any kind are on the edge and they're going, I'm ready to quit um, because this was just too much. And, you know, if you're right. one of those people, uh, you know, hey, this was really, really difficult, I, I challenge you to find someone just to speak that if you don't know anybody already. Shoot, mm-hmm. you can you could email us and just say, hey, this yep. is my story. This is why it stinks. And this yep. was hard. Um, but you know, that's kind of why, again, that's why we do this. We want Mm -hmm. people's real experiences, mutual experiences to be, uh, something we can share obviously, and something we can support each other in. Um, you know, and as I'm sitting here thinking, man, it would be such a cool thing for a network of, uh, ministry workers to sit there and say, Hey, you know what? Between us, that was the worst thing I've ever dealt with. Um, but I'm okay, but I'm okay. And God showed himself in protecting my spirit and my soul and my brain and my heart through this, even though it was incredibly difficult. To have those real heartbroken conversations. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think that's, uh, that, that's something And what we'll do is we'll put, we'll put the email up at the end, uh, mm-hmm. if we don't have anything else to say, but we, we can keep going. Uh, we'll put the email up and Hey, you got a story, you got a thought about it. Email us, you know yeah. what? We'll read it. Uh, if you want us to, we won't, or if you want it to be private and say, Hey, I just want to talk to you guys. We're here. We'll do it. Yeah. Um, I think just to kind of close this out a little bit, I just want to encourage you if you're involved in a church not in a staff type role in any way um or yeah that maybe reach out to a pastor and just tell them thank you reach out to your children's director reach out to the secretary they have all been through it and all had major changes and uh the amount of appreciation they get does not echo at all what they have done (laughs) it is not enough So, you know, yeah, and that's that's a hard thing because, you know, you can sometimes sit there and and you know, question yourself. You personally going, "Man, nobody's really appreciating yeah. this." And you know what? Everybody's dealing with their own thing. And yeah. but you know, sometimes it's just the smallest thing like, you know, we went on a staff uh, getaway. Uh, in the middle of it to do some planning, some COVID planning. By the way, we practiced, you know, social distancing and stuff. But so much so, you had different houses. We had different houses, right? <laughs> okay. So, uh, but you know what? One of the things that happened that totally surprised us is uh, a group of people from our church. They gave us an early Christmas. We had yeah. a wrapped gift we were supposed to open with just cards that said thank you, and and it was just it was neat, and they were all from different people. Like it wasn't just like a blanket card; it was from different people specifically mm-hmm. who said, "Hey, I really appreciate uh, you." And mm-hmm. I think that was just gigantic. And uh, you know, if if you have the opportunity to do that, grab someone at the church who you know is putting in that time. But mm-hmm. it could be a volunteer. You know, we have volunteers who stayed faithful through the entire COVID without right. a break, served every Sunday and teaching and children's and stuff say hey thank you mm-hmm. really appreciate that and i know this has been you know this has been draining at times so yeah we are at, we are at a church that definitely um knows the value of appreciation and does its best to try to show that through different mm-hmm. means and um, we're so thankful for that but if you are at a church that struggles with that um reach out to your elders reach out to your leadership yeah. and try to start something new try to even if it's you know, a note card a year to all the staff. Try something yeah. new. Um, if you're a pastor and you haven't had that encouragement, you also are made in his image. You mm-hmm. also are precious and a gift to what you're, you know, to what he has created and what he wants you to do. So don't forget that while you're yeah. working. Yeah. 
Well, you know what? The thing is, we can all continue to pray for each other. We're not fully out of it yet. Um, there's still places where, uh, you know, there's still a major concern. That, and, and, you know, we're lucky and many and fortunate and blessed that cases are dropping, yeah. um, that vaccines are out there. But you know what? It, for the foreseeable future, we're still in this situation. And so mm-hmm. um, we just want to encourage you, uh, you know, pray for one another. We pray for our friends, for our, uh, for our family and ministry. Um, if you want us to pray for you, give us an email. Um, it's podcastinglees at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. We're more than happy to do that. We're more than happy to have a conversation. So um, we'll get through this. It's almost there. Yeah. You know, there's light Hopeless. at the end of the tunnel, but you know what? On the other side of that, we'll deal with something else. And that's just mm-hmm. the reality of life. But the reality is also that God's greater than all of it. And we can say that as just kind of a throwaway aside, but the truth is, in the middle of a global pandemic, we're still sitting here doing a podcast, and <laughs> yeah. we're still hearing amazing things going on in the church. We're still hearing people who are finding joy in that relationship with mm-hmm. uh, our Savior and finding uh, healing in that and finding truth in that and finding uh, the ways to grow as a disciple. And so... Um, until next time, we really appreciate you guys listening to us again. Again, you can contact us, podcastinglees at gmail.com. Um, hopefully, uh, we'll be pretty consistent on our episodes. If you haven't, we have two episodes just before this that we feel like were really a lot of fun, and that was with Taylor and Sarah Castleberry and the most recent one with our friend Chris. Uh, just give it a listen. If you uh, if you just have some input for us, go ahead and send it in, things we can talk about. Um, but again, this is Nathan. And this is Kim. You guys have a great week and enjoy your time.